balance. And um, it's, this is going to be a, 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 a talk that has quite a bit of science in it. Uh, my, uh, for, for those of you who don't know, my profession is uh, I'm a professor. I'm a professor at the university and I, I conduct uh, science. I work on microbiology. That's the research that I do and that's what I, the classes I teach. It relates to microbiology. Which is, which is the branch of science that deals with microorganisms. So a microorganism is any, anything that's microscopic. Uh, we can't see it with our naked eyes. We, we need some sort of instrument to see it. So here you see on this slide, three microorganisms. The first one on the left is a bacteria. It's called E. coli. Many of, of you may have heard about E. coli bacteria. If it gets in the water or if it gets in our food, it can make us sick. <clears throat> the slide in the middle, the picture in the middle, that is <clears throat> of coronavirus. That's the virus that's causing this current pandemic. <clears throat> so that's a virus. And then on the right, that's a fungus. It's actually yeast. Uh, the same yeast that's used to make bread. And, uh, and other alcoholic beverages. So these are microorganisms. We can't see them um, with our with our naked eye. So because we can't see them with our naked eye, we need an instrument to see them. And um, this slide shows that. So we can see the size of microorganisms in relationship to other things like humans or fruit, like an apple or a wasp or so forth. You can see. And on the right side of the screen, it, it really places it into its proper context. If we think about a human hair, the width of a human hair is 0 0.1 millimeters wide. Well, let's just say, if we, if we said, to put that into context, let's say that a human hair was 10 meters wide, then a bacteria in, in, the, in the proper ratio to that would be five to 20 centimeters wide. And a virus would be even smaller than that. So you can see how small these, these microorganisms are. And so we use microscopes to look at them. Excuse me, Brother Larry. Excuse me, Brother Larry. Is there any way that you can increase the font? We are seeing the, the, the general image, but we cannot make out a single word, at least not me. Is it, is it possible? If it's not uh, possible, never mind my intervention. Just go ahead. Oh, yeah, it, it's probably not possible. It, it's, it's, it, it, tell me if, when you get to the next slides if it's uh, okay. If, if okay, this is a problem, okay? No, okay. no, that's okay. Um, so we need these microscopes to, to see them. And they, in fact, the images that I showed you in the previous slide, those were all taken with microscopes that magnify these bacteria and these viruses thousands of times so that uh, we can actually see them. And so this is some of the research that I do. So here's some facts and figures about microbiology. When we're born, when we're babies, we have uh, uh, almost 100% of the cells that we have in our body are human. That is, they're derived, they, they came from our mother and our father. But over time, that number decreases to only 10%. 
So by the time we're adults, 10%, only 10% of our body is actually comprised of human cells. The other 90% of our body is made up of bacteria. And that's very important because we often think of bacteria in the context of diseases, you know, infectious diseases. Uh, and, and they definitely cause infectious diseases as we know. But it's actually important to understand that the natural state of almost all of bacteria in the world and other microorganisms is a, is, a, is, a, is a situation called symbiosis. That is, in our body, the bacteria, the ones that don't make us sick, which is most of the bacteria, they, they, they are there and they interact with our cells in our body in this situation called symbiosis or a balance. So, so now we hear the first time we're gonna mention balance. So that is the bacteria in our bodies work in balance with our, with, our, with our cells and they're useful, we need them. We need them to digest our food. We have bacteria in our skin, we need them. Without those bacteria, uh, we would die. The opposite of symbiosis is dysbiosis and that's a microbial imbalance on or inside our body. So when we have a disease, an infectious disease, such as uh, this COVID-19 pandemic, that is, that is because of dysbiosis. There's a, an imbalance in our body, a microbial imbalance. The virus has overtaken our body and overrun our body. And we can't, we can't handle that. So I believe that the Bible Although it's not a scientific document, uh, I believe that there's a lot of science in the Bible. However, we know that there was no understanding of microbiology in, in the times when the Bible was written. Uh, this is only about 200 years old. So there was no understanding. So, so any information that we might find on Still, I think there are several areas where microorganisms are mentioned in the Bible. And this includes in the origin of disease, uh, in the plagues of, of Egypt, as we're going to see. Um, one, one place where it's mentioned, uh, which is rele very relevant to us now, is the public health. Uh, values and information that, that is to this day derived from the law of Moses. Uh, uh, and, and we have many examples in the history of how it saved God's chosen people from disease. For example, the bubonic plague the, or the Black Death, as it was known in the 13th century in Europe, which killed millions of people. Uh, that came about largely because th this was a bacteria a bacteria called Yersinia, carried by rats. And rats are drawn to areas where there's lots of garbage. And in Europe, at that time, people used to throw garbage right out of their windows into the streets. It was very dirty. So there was lots of rats. Rats had this Yersinia bacteria. They congregated where the garbage was, and people became infected with this black death, and millions died. But the Jews didn't die. In fact, the Jews were not infected because they were following the law. And one of the, 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 the um, under the law, one of, one of the things, there was lots of information about how to 
discard garbage, uh, to keep the garbage outside the camp. So where the Jews lived, it was very clean. And it, this actually led to their persecution because many people in Europe who were sick saw the Jews and they weren't sick. And so the thought was that the Jews had, had caused this disease. And so the Jews were persecuted, attacked. Uh, in, in, in today's world, we still rely on, on what we've learned from the law of Moses to control diseases. One obvious one is right now, during the pandemic, we quarantine. And all we have to do is look into the scriptures, the Old Testament, and we'll see what was prescribed. When one had leprosy, for example, they were to quarantine. They were to stay without the camp. And there's many other things that we've learned from the law of Moses, such as washing one's hands to reduce disease transmission among people. And I could spend a whole this whole evening talking just about that aspect. So because I, I study bacteria and I study diseases, I, I'm often interested in this question. When did disease causing microbes come? When did they originate? And, and I really think it speaks to this idea of balance versus imbalance. And, and we're going to be, this is really the theme that we're going to be talking about this evening. In the Garden of Eden, we see balance or symbiosis, as we've talked about before the first sin. Everything was in balance. And then we see an imbalance or a dysbiosis occur after the first sin. There was an imbalance. And really, this is, you know, the theme that we're going to talk about. Sin leads to imbalance. We, we, we need to try to in, avoid the imbalance of sin. We need to be balanced in righteousness. We know that the, the fall, the first sin, also introduced human death into the equation. And that God subsequently set limits on human life of 70 years. See that in Psalm 90. So something then had to have changed to allow this. And it could have been disease. The, the, the introduction of, of mutations to our DNA. This is you know, one reason why we age, a major reason why we age is because our cells that, that has DNA, they, they, there's mutations and the cells can't divide as well. They can't repair themselves as well. Cancer. Cancer is a disease of cells. When, when the cells has, have mutations, they can't repair themselves. And then the cancer cells grow out of control and take over the body. Perhaps the change could have been something environmental, such as less protection from the sun's harmful UV. So here we see a graph. And what this graph shows is the, the ages that different people lived. And we see people living long years, 900 years, 900 plus years, until we get to Noah. And then comes the flood. And we see right after the flood, a sharp decrease in the ages that people lived until it, it goes down to, to 70 years approximately. And some, scholars think that what happened with the flood was that it destroyed a lot of 
plants and trees on the planet, on the earth, that gave cover, that gave protection from the sun. So if those trees were all destroyed, now the, the sun is, is, is there to pound down on the earth uh, with the UV. And we know that UV is very damaging. One can, if you're in the skin, if you're in the sun too long, um, one can, can develop skin cancer. And, and this is a, a major cancer that, that uh, people can get and can die. So, so that's perhaps uh, one explanation. It's important to understand one can't be dogmatic about any of this because we don't know. But I, I believe that God is, 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 is very logical in what he does. And, and so uh, in some instances, we can perhaps understand or at least develop some sort of hypothesis about how he brought about what he did and therefore from, take from that uh, some things that we can glean to learn further about him. So it, it seems plausible then that whatever caused humans to begin to get old and die also had an impact on, this, on the microbial world. So if mutations happen in our cells, in our DNA in our cells, certainly that may have happened in, in the bacteria. And this could have caused these bacteria, which before sin were in balance in the human body, to become imbalanced, to be able to become able to infect us and make us sick. Most human infectious diseases is caused by this bacterial dysbiosis, bacterial imbalance, where the natural balance of things is disrupted and the bacteria take over. Sepsis. A disease many of us know of is a that's a perfect example. The bacteria take over the body, and 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 just overrun the body. And and uh, if it's not treated soon enough, there's nothing that can be done, and the person will die. So, these infectious diseases then are caused by an imbalance. So so, if in fact then, the reason for a human death, a major reason was because of disease then we see that there was balance before the sin, before the fall, and, and imbalance after. And, and ever since that time, brethren and sisters, we have been badly imbalanced. And we need to, to continue to work. To so let's then shift and talk about biblical plagues. So the word plague is from the Latin word plaga, which means a blow or a stroke. Uh, and, and we see this in, in Exodus. Not all plagues in the Bible are diseases, but many of them are. Here we see some examples of biblical plagues. The plagues of Pharaoh that God struck Pharaoh with uh, after, after he took Sarah uh, from Abraham because he didn't realize that they were married. The Egyptian plagues we just read about. The plague of the Philistines. Now, this isn't actually listed. It's not the word plague is not is not is not actually mentioned there. But if if the if the meaning is a blow or a stroke, then certainly the plague of the Philistines that we see in 1 Samuel 5 and 6, largely thought to be hemorrhoids, would be a plague. We have the plague that punished David's sin of numbering the people. It's referred to as a plague. And then the plague against the Assyrians. Again, the ones in red, not list not. This is a plague, but certainly a blow 
uh, or a stroke would be would be appropriate there. So these are all the plagues. So not all of the plagues that we see in the Bible are, are diseases, but many of them are. Now, I think that the Egyptian plagues occurred because of imbalances. There were a number of imbalances that occurred that led to the Egyptian plagues. And this is what we're going to spend some time talking about um, this evening. First of all, we know that Egypt is a, is, a, is a symbol of sin. And God bringing the Israelites out of Egypt was a symbol of bringing them out of sin. They were baptized as they left Egypt. So, so it's a type of, of sin, and it's a type of, of um, our walk where we have to leave sin. We have to, as the children of Israel did, and, and, and enter into the wilderness, where if we're baptized, that's not where we now are as we head to the promised land. So we have this symbol of sin. So we can harken back to the Garden of Eden. There was balance before sin. After sin, imbalance. So I think this is some additional proof that these plagues were caused by imbalances. But we, we only have to look to what we see with our own eyes today to, 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 to see some further proof of that. Um, in Australia right now, some of you may know that there's a plague of mice, millions of mice all over Eastern Australia in, in the houses, running into people's houses. Um, consuming grain, destroying the grain, millions of mice. You can see the picture in the top right there. So this happened because of imbalances. In 2018 and 2019, Australia had a very bad drought, so there was no rain. So that's an imbalance. There's a lack of rain. In 2020, there was as much rain as in 2018 and 2019 combined. So that's another imbalance. You have First, you didn't have enough rain. That's an imbalance. Now you have too much rain another imbalance. In 2021, what that led to was a lot of grain. So we might say that that's a, that's a good thing. But that was also an imbalance, more grain than they normally have and would normally harvest in a year. What do you do with all this grain? Well, you have to store it. So they stored it in big sheds, which is perfect, a perfect place for breeding mice. And so this led to an infestation of mice. In fact, uh, the definition of, of this infestation is 800 to 1,000 mice per hectare. And at that level, it's actually considered a plague, or it's considered to be plague proportions by Australia's National Science Agency. So here we have an imbalance, all these, all these mice. So the large mouse population is now expected to lead to a large number of snakes. This is what is now expected that um, there's going to be a large number of snakes. And in fact, there's so many mice that the mice actually started to eat each other because there was no, they ate all the food, they ate all the grain, they started to eat each other, cannibalize each other. And now it's thought that because of all these mice, now they're going to be an, a snake, an uh, imbalance of snakes, an infestation of snakes. So these are all imbalances. Certainly, this seems very reminiscent of the Egyptian plague. And, uh, and so we're going to take a look at that. So here we see the Egyptian plagues. Um, now, in, in the scriptures, the plagues are presented without any link, really, between the plagues. But there is plausible evidence for a sequence of events that are related uh, to the microbial world 
such that the plates are actually related. And, and, and it, again, it, it relates to this concept of imbalance. And so uh, we'll look at that. So we see the plagues and then we see the, the, the microbial potential, potential microbial explanation. Okay, so the river to blood formed by something called a dinoflagellate. Frogs, we, we, we can look at uh, common species of frogs that we have in the world today to understand what happened there. Lice, there are many types of biting insects that cause disease today. And we can see those. We have flies, we have cattle disease, the boils, the hail, the locusts, darkness, and death of the firstborn. So these are just on the other side some 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 ideas that some have put forward um, to uh, to explain. Now some of them I think we'll, we'll, we're only going to look at the main ones that I think have some some validity. Some some of them I think are a bit far fetched um, that I don't think um, really really make sense. So let's talk about river to blood. So this is Exodus chapter seven, verse fourteen to twenty-five. So the the when we're told the um, so if we uh, start at verse seventeen of Exodus chapter seven, thus saith the Lord, and this thou shalt know that I am the Lord. Behold, I will smite with the rod that is in mine hand upon the waters which are in the river, and they shall be turned to blood. And the fish that is in the river shall die. And the river shall stink, and the Egyptians shall loathe to drink of the water of the river. So, one of the natural phenomena that we see today, all over the world, is something called red tides. So the red tides are caused by a microorganism, an algae. You can see it's actually called a dinoflagellate, and you can see a picture there of it. Uh, and the the algae are, are contain a red pigment, <coughs> and some of these Algae are also very extremely toxic to fish. So this dinoflagellate called Fisteria um, in the world has been responsible for many fish deaths over the, over the, over the years. It, it secretes a toxin which, which kills the fish and, and allows the, the, the algae to eat the fish alive. And you can see dead fish there. So here's a picture of a red tide. So this is actually a picture that was taken recently. Um, you know, these red tides, last year there was one in the USA, but they've been all around the world, the Hong Kong, the Mediterranean, they cause environmental catastrophes. You can't um, swim in the water, you can't, they're toxic to humans, they're toxic to wildlife, so they die, um, and so forth. So one can imagine that uh, this red tide uh, could have occurred in Egypt. Uh, and it would have had the same effect of killing the fish and so forth. And the water would have been toxic so it could be undrinkable. So here's a picture. Here's another picture of a red tide. And you, you can see dead fish floating. This one was from Japan recently. So this might explain the, the first plague, the water being turned to blood. So, the Egyptian plagues, as I said, I think they demonstrate how natural imbalances can cause a complete collapse of the environment. And this is a, a well-known scientific idea. We've seen that we see this all over the, the world, where um, imbalances cause a complete uh, a complete collapse of the environment. So we've seen this where, for example, um, various species have been imported to other regions of the world in an attempt to rid 
that region of some pest, only for that species that was important to take over itself and lead to an imbalance and lead to additional problems. So, so this is a, 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 valid, a valid viewpoint. Whether it, it actually is responsible for the place, we don't know. But, but we can speculate. The algal bloom that we saw led to no more fish. The fish were all, all dead. So that's an imbalance. No fish to eat the spawn of the frogs. Fish normally in rivers uh, and so forth, they eat the spawn of the frogs. So if they don't eat the spawn of the frogs, that would lead to then unusually large numbers of frogs. Now the Hebrew word that's used in Exodus chapter eight, verse two for frogs just means frogs. It's, there's no, it's not a special word. One common frog that we know that's common throughout the world is uh, it's called buffalo. This is a frog we find them all over the world. They produce huge numbers of eggs, hundreds of thousands of eggs from a single individual frog. And, and populations of buffalo can rise to many millions under the right conditions, such as if there's nothing to eat their eggs. So if we go back to the plagues, the Egyptian plagues, there's no fish. There's nothing to eat the eggs of the frogs. Therefore, they could have then exploded to millions of numbers and caused the plague of the frogs. Um, the other thing about these buffalo frogs is that they seek sources of light and heat to hunt the insects that they rely on uh, for food. So, so this, you know, this could have been the, the actual frogs that, that, that caused the plague. Now, the frogs have exploded in numbers, so here we have an imbalance, an unsustainable imbalance. There's not enough food, food for the frogs. So they die. So their deaths, all these frogs have suddenly died. You have all these dead frogs. Again, another imbalance. And any sudden imbalance in any ecosystem in the environment will lead to unpredictable, but interrelated increases and decreases in the populations of other species. We've seen this over time. So we have this denoflagellate bloom that killed the fish. The death of the fish potentially produced an increase in the frogs, followed by their death. So they, the population collapsed which in turn led to an upsurge in the insect population. As we all know, whenever there's a lot of dead, decaying organic matter, you, you get a lot of insects feeding on that. The insects are increasing their numbers. So now we have another imbalance. They are free to breed unhindered in the absence of their natural predator. Who's their natural predator? Frogs and toads. But the frogs and toads are all dead because there was not enough food and they, there were too many of their numbers. So when you get too many, too much of a concentration of, 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 of things, you see uh, they, they collapse. So we saw in Australia, as I showed you, the mice are eating each other. There's too many numbers. It's been thought one of the problems with humans is that in, in big cities and, and, and high places where there's high populations, there's too many of us. So we start to attack each other. We resort to violence. This has also been shown scientifically. So now we come to the, the plague of the lice. The biblical word for lice, if we look at that way, it's likely that these were more like midges, like biting insects, biting flies. The larvae of midges feed on decaying matter, such as dead toads. So that would make sense. 
And there's a, a different half a dozen of, of species of these biting midges, or they're called culicordes, um, that have been found in Egypt. So it's it's possible that that these midges were the the uh, the, the plague of of lice, and you can see them there. They they bite humans and animals, and they feed and on the blood. Um, or they could have been, uh, and, and, and this leads to the, the flies. They could have been, um, the flies could have been something like uh, what's called the tsetse fly, common in Africa. Again, you can see it there. Uh, when they feed, they leave puncture wounds, open puncture wounds, and they bite. And that leads people susceptible to infection. And the, so that would link nicely with subsequent plagues. So the tsetse fly is an African blood-sucking fly. It bites humans and other mammals, mammals, transmitting diseases such as sleeping sickness. So sleeping sickness is a big problem in Africa. It's a disease. Um, these flies, what they have, they have parasites. So when they bite, they, the parasites enter the humans, uh, and and this causes the disease of sleeping sickness, which can lead to death. So it's possible that that the the, the, the flies were, were due to these 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 biting flies. That would then link with the next plague, the cattle, the murrain of cattle. Murrain simply means disease of cattle. So it's important to understand that two things here. The disease of the cattle did not affect humans. It only affected the cattle. So that would be called an epizootic disease. It's a disease that only affects animals, but not humans. Uh, we can assume that it didn't affect other animals. It only affected certain ungulates, like the cattle. For example, we don't hear, uh, there's no mention in the scripture of it affecting other, other animals, like domestic pets or birds or reptiles or even goats. So we can rule out many diseases from that. So it could have been an insect-borne virus. So again, the, the insect, the biting insect has a virus that transmits to us, such as African horse sickness. This is a common uh, sickness that we know about today. Or blue tongue, which is another, another disease. You can see the picture up on the right is, is a murrain of cattle that happened in the 1800s in South Africa. Oh, both of these diseases are spread by this biting midge, this Culicordes midge. And, they, and the thing about these midges, they don't spread very far. So this would make sense because the Israelites' flocks, we read in the land of Goshen, were not affected. So, so, so that these midges, which don't, they don't go very far, this, this may have explained how, how the Egyptian cattle was affected, but not, not the Israelite cattle. And then we come to the plague of the boils. This is a disease that affected animals and humans, we're told. So that's called a zoonotic disease. And there's many types of bacteria that can cause this. But one such one is a bacteria called Burkholderia, which, which causes a disease called glanders. And glanders, it's still prevalent in the world today. It, it's largely been controlled, but it's still prevalent. It's a highly contagious infection. It can be airborne, it can be spread by direct contact, it can be spread via insects such as flies. So again, you know, biting flies, uh, you know, in the previous place could, could uh, you know, explain this. Again, through all this, we're seeing large imbalances of large numbers of insects. When, when the insects are under control, you don't see this. 
right? When the when the frogs and other things are under control, you don't see you you wouldn't see this because everything's under control. It's balanced. It's when there's an imbalance that we see these issues. This disease was first described by Aristotle in 330 BC. It was actually used this bacteria as a biological war warfare agent in World War One, and it's still found throughout the Middle East and Africa today. Um, although it's not a major disease. It infects both animals and humans, and it, 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 when it gets into humans, it spreads via the lymph nodes, which swell. So that's the, hence the name glanders. So that certainly fits the, the description of a plague of boils and blains. The blains are, um, as is described in the Bible, blains are, they're, they're swelling. So, so we see the picture there, and you can see this is what this glanders does. So perhaps glanders cause these boils. So what can we, assuming that all of this is true, that these plagues were caused by imbalances, one imbalance after, that led to another imbalance, that led to another imbalance, that led to another imbalance, that God orchestrated. What can we learn about this for our walk? Well, the Bible contains few references to balance or similar words. For example, in the Old Testament, balance is most often translated from the Hebrew word mosen, which refers to a pair of scales or balances. And in the New Testament, the Greek word zugos comes from the root of zugumnie, which means to join, or, or especially by a yoke. And Vine's expository dictionary defines zugos as a yoke, serving to couple two things together. So with that, as, as a backdrop in thinking about balance versus unbalanced, let's look at some verses that we commonly read. For example, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness and what communion hath light with darkness? So in other words, do not be, a, do not be imbalanced. Do not be imbalanced with an unbeliever. Do not have fellowship, uh, righteousness cannot have fellowship with unrighteousness. That's an imbalance. Light cannot have fellowship with darkness. That's an imbalance. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, and be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess. Anything that is excess leads to an imbalance. We just, we just spent, you know, the time thus far talking about that. So be not drunk with, and we'll come back to that one in a, in a, in a second, Ephesians chapter five, verse 18. Philippians chapter four, verse five, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. So be moderate, be balanced. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 is a great chapter. I, I call it the chapter on balance. And so we're just going to read that. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And when we're reading it, just think about the, how this chapter really describes balance. And, and it really shows that, um, you know, um, the way that God originally created the world was, 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 was such that it would be balanced. Verse 1, to everything there is a season and a time and a purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, 
a time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to get, and a time to lose, a time to keep, and a time to cast away, a time to rend, and a time to sow, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time of war, and a time of peace. Isn't that wonderful, brothers and sisters? That's balanced. It's, it's perfectly balanced. This is how God created the world. And yet, when Adam and Eve sinned, they introduced imbalance into the world. And from that time, we have been locked in a life and death struggle, brethren and sisters, to overcome that imbalance. The balance employed in scripture is often employed as a symbol of justice and fair dealing. And, 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 and so there's various scriptural imbalances. For example, Leviticus chapter 19, verse 36, speaks of God's demands in trade. You shall have just balances, just weights, a just ephah and a just hin. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And again, from there you can see this theme that God is balanced. He's just. On the other hand, sometimes being imbalanced is a good thing. Um, in Ephesians, two slides ago, this idea of don't do not be filled with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Well, if you think about that for a second, being if you're if one is completely filled with the Spirit, that is actually an imbalance. We are imbalanced. We we are completely filled with with one thing at at the expense of another. In this case, what we're being filled with is is, is a Spirit. Is God's word. And so in that scenario, being in balance is actually a good thing. Here's another example. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold on to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and man. So we can't be balanced between God and man. We can't. Because if, if we are, according to Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, we'll actually become imbalanced. And, and what always happens, 100% of the time, when one attempts to serve God and man, is that God is the one that, that falls away. So we become imbalanced towards man. So, so we can't be balanced, says Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. We need to love God completely. We need to be imbalanced towards God. Um, enter Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there which go in there at, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth on to life. And few there be that find it. So you see the picture there, the narrow path, the narrow path onto salvation on the side of a mountain. One can see how one can become imbalanced on that walk. It's a treacherous walk. One might lose their balance and fall down the mountain to their death. If, brothers and sisters, we rely on our own strength, that is. So 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 says, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. If we rely on our own strength and think that we can do it ourselves, we'll fall. We'll become imbalanced. We'll fall off this narrow path. However, if we place our faith in God, he will give us our balance. And we will be able to continue on this narrow path. Below. 
Other verses speak of measuring a person's character or integrity as it relates to balances. Job 31 verse 6, let me be weighed in a just balance that God may know my integrity. In Job chapter 6 verse 2, we see um, Job using the balance as a metaphor to complain that God has not properly evaluated his situation. Oh, that my grief were fully weighed, he says, and my calamity laid with it in the balances. So, so Job's complaining to God, you, you're not, you're not, you're being in balance, God, says Joel. Consider my grief fully and my calamity and balance it out. But we know that actually, as we know, if we've read, if we you know, read through Job and we see this in 11, Proverbs 11, verse 1, that God, of course, is, has, 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 has weighed uh, Job's plight and all of our plights and is perfectly balanced. Because we read in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 1, a false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. So just as God expects scales and balances to be used with fairness and equity in how we deal with each other and how we live our lives, this is how also he deals with us in fairness and, and equity, perfectly balanced. We are we're told we will be judged based on our life and our actions and what we have done. And that judgment will be perfectly balanced with what we have done in our lives. So this is our last slide. Uh, and I think Proverbs chapter 16, verse 11 provides a clear idea of the spiritual intent of living and leading a balanced life. A just weight and, the, and balance are the Lord's. All the weights in the bag are his work, we're told. So by this, we understand that all things are God's and that he is and must always be the standard by which we measure everything. We're, we're, to, we're to manifest our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who perfectly manifested God. And in so doing, we become balanced. And we become balanced, just as God intended the world originally to be and all those who live in the world. So then, as we continue to live in these times, these imbalanced times, these pandemic times, imbalanced, we hear of inequity everywhere. It's always been there, highlighted more now because of the pandemic. Let us remember where we find our balance, brothers and sisters. We need to look to the one who provides that perfect balance for us so that we will not fall from that narrow path that leads to ultimate salvation and to his kingdom where everything will be in balance once more. Thank you.